Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and it is such an honor to have you here every single week from all over the world. I really appreciate you joining me every week and listening to my wonderful guests that come in and we help really try to help educate you, entertain you a little bit, empower you and inspire you so you can live a fearlessly authentic life. Because for me, I believe that if we are not living our most authentic life, then what is our purpose? So for me, I was always afraid to live my most fearlessly authentic life, which is why I named the show this. And with every guest that I bring on, I feel more empowered and inspired and more educated. So I hope that's helping you to live your best life ever. Um, And if it is, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to also subscribe, review, leave me a message because I love hearing from you. So rate review. I always have to remember that. Like I used to have to remember to press record before I did my show as well. And I also wanted to remind you all of something that has changed my life, which is um, a plant-based company called Sakara that delivers plant-based meals to my home. And I want to share a promo code that I have with you because if you are thinking about going plant-based, but you don't know how to prepare any of the meals, this is a great, great company to start with. So my code is XOJODY and you get 20% off your very first order with Sakara. It's S-A-K-A-R-A.com. The name of the company is Sakara and just go to Sakara.com, S-A-K-A-R-A. Dot com and use my promo code XOJody and get 20% off and let me know how you like it. So here we are the week after Thanksgiving, and I have my wonderful guest, Patty Asai. Welcome to the show, Patty. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I wanted to introduce you to my audience before we get into it, but Patty is an incredible sensation, an incredibly bright woman. I'm so excited and honored to have her on my show to guide you and to have fun with us also, because that's what you're all about, you know, and you are not your typical lawyer. So that's just a preview as to who (laughs) Patty is. Anyway, here we go. Um, Patty, also known as the Duchess of Decorum, is what fans have come to call Patty Asai. She is best known for her very successful TikTok channel, Duchess of Decorum, where she teaches social and workplace etiquette along with financial literacy. She's the perfect example of tough but fair. A lawyer by trade, she is currently a senior vice president of mergers and acquisitions lending and has spent the the last 20 years in a multifaceted career focused in finance. From relationship management, business development, investment banking, and raising capital from sovereign wealth funds in private equity, Patty has seen all sides of the industry. Within the past year, she has created her TikTok account as a way to provide education, advice, and techniques to help young folks navigate their way through work, finances, social settings, and more. So I want to get right into it. Um, There are so many questions that I have for you that I know that my listeners want to learn from you as well. I know the backstory a little bit, but I want to start with a little bit about who you are, how you a little bit about your life, because I think that's really important, giving everybody perspective of why why you decided last year to sit down and what make 100 videos and put them on TikTok? Yes, yes. 100 okay. videos. <laughs> yeah, in four days. In like in four days. Yeah. Okay, I still haven't done that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a it's crazy, but but let's talk about where you where you grew up, how it all started, a little bit about you because it's um it's sure. very interesting. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm an immigrant. I moved to this country when I was seven years old and I didn't know a word of English. 
Um, so I really had to figure it out. And um, for a period of time, I mean, we entered this country legally. We had visas, but then our visas ran out. So we were actually undocumented immigrants for a while. And um, it was really hard because, you know, my parents couldn't find employment because of just the language barrier. You know, they had prominent careers in Iran, but here no one would want to hire them. So, um, yeah, so we really struggled financially. I started working at the age of 10. I would go door to door and collect people's garbage, like to take out the garbage. Yeah. Hoping they would give me like a quarter um, just to save up to be able to go to Godfather's Pizza around the corner, you know. Um, Yeah. And then after that, I, I started working my real job at the age of 14. I worked at a candy factory. So um, I packaged candy and things like that. So you were always really hardworking. Do you, did you feel that coming from another country? I know you were living with relatives, right? Yes. We first moved in with my cousin um, in the beginning. And then uh, we were in this one bedroom, one bathroom, little apartment. And then we got our own place. It was just, yeah, too tight for all of us. Did you feel that um, you, you needed to get out there and work because you were, you know, you wanted to help your family? Absolutely. You know, I, I saw my dad hustling. I mean, again, my dad went from a very prominent career to he couldn't get a job. So he ended up working at McDonald's. I mean, that that to me showed such a work ethic of this man that was just, you know, so powerful in a way in another country. And now he's had to humble himself and do what he has to do in order to help his family. And um, I think that's where I got my work ethic. And I knew from a young age that. If I wanted something, I had to provide it for myself. If I wanted extras, right? So right. Um, that's when I decided, you know what? I need to really take control of my own life. And, you know, finances bring power and control. It does because it gives you that security and that option. Money gives you security and options, right? I always Absolutely. I remember that, hearing that Absolutely. from my parents. It doesn't make you happy. It can Um, But what it does is it affords you to have options in life. And provides you a lot of freedom because of that. So you have the freedom to choose. The freedom to choose. Yes, yes. So at that young age, and, you know, the other question I had for you was, do you feel that given your life experiences and where you came from, do you feel that now looking back that the less you have growing up, makes you a harder worker, generally speaking, versus somebody who grew up feeling not any stress about money? Absolutely. I really believe that the reason I'm successful today is due to my struggles. Because, um, you know, when you struggle, you learn so much. Every obstacle that comes your way is there to teach you something. It's there to develop your character. It's there to show you how to maneuver around difficult situations, is there to make you resilient. It's there to make you a survivor. So um, without that, you don't develop your character. And, you know, as a young age, at a young age, I used to look around and even when I was older, I used to look around at people that, you know, lived on easy street that, you know, their parents paid for everything. You know, when I was in law school, I worked three jobs and went to law school full time and I graduated a semester early. And so, um, but I would look around, I would see so many people and throughout my life that had it easy. And at that point, I wasn't mature enough to understand that glory doesn't live on easy street. So you don't get that on easy street. You don't get character on easy street. Um, The glory is in the fight and the struggle so you can't really become great until you have gone through some stuff and you've come back, you know? I feel that. I feel, you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard the um, saying, your mess is your message. Yes. And I think it truly is because if you do live on Easy Street and, you know, for those of you who do live on Easy Street, good for you. Um, and I'm not saying that sarcastically at all, but I think that that's where you develop, as you said, that character of that hustle. I know um, my husband always talks about how how poor he grew up yep. and his father was a window washer. He became a physician and, you know, he remembers, you know, 
cleaning windows in very expensive homes in New Jersey and saying, one day I'm going to have a mid-century modern home like that. He didn't know it was mid-century modern, but doing that. And so he, you know, is still hustling like crazy because he just can't, you know, I think it's something we just can't shed. I'm the same way. I just can't shed that hustle. You got to just keep going. Do you feel the same way now that you've had a lot of success in your life and financial success? Absolutely. And, you know, people look at me now, they're like, why are you still working so hard? Like what? And I was like, you know what? That's just in me. And um, I can't take my my foot off the gas. You know, it's that drive that drives me because, you know, I'm successful in my career, but all of that can change in an instant. Totally. And, and you know, I've, I learned that the hard way. I remember um, when I first went into private equity, it was in 2008. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got it made. I was making a ton of money. And I was like, just blowing it on Birkins and like whatever I wanted, (laughs) because I always thought, you know, well, I'm going to make this kind of money for the rest of my life. Right. Let me just ease up back a little bit. And then the market crashed and our firm closed and I didn't work for a year. Mm-hmm. And I went through all my savings. I mean, I, I was just panicked. I had to borrow money from people literally to survive. Wow. Um, and that was a huge lesson in that, you know, you don't let your foot off the gas because things can change like that. So you better understand how to keep going. Never, never, never. So you ended up, tell us a little bit about growing up in school and your learning disability. Yes, yeah, sure. So um I have ADHD and I have dyslexia. And back then, these two disabilities weren't really diagnosed. I was always the girl that talked too much in class. Oh, she's great, but she talks too much, you know. And um, for a long time, I thought I just wasn't that smart Mm -hmm. because it took me so much longer to learn information, especially since I had the language barrier, right? So I had to catch up. So you first had to learn the language. Yes. Then you find out that, did they diagnose you that with that? Or in looking back, you know, no. that's what it was. Looking back, I was diagnosed later, but mm-hmm. looking back, I understand that's what it was because I had difficulty processing information. So um, I had to study, you know, 10 times harder than everybody else. Right. And, you know, I went through until the ninth grade thinking that I just wasn't that smart because I wasn't, you know, in the smart group because they grouped you, you know, based on basically how smart right. you are. Um, and it was ninth grade when I was in English class and um, my I was doing really well in English and my English professor or teacher, uh, Mr. Stoddard, I'll never forget him. He said, you know what, Patty, you do so well in English. Maybe you could be in AP English next year. And I'm like looking around, like, are you talking to me? Like me, you want me to be in AP English? And he's like, oh yeah, you, you definitely should be in AP English. I was like, okay. So the next year, um, I remember the first day I was walking into class and I was just so intimidated because I felt like everyone was just going to be so much smarter than me. And I walked in and um, I realized that, you know what? I'm just as smart as all these people. And it was that instant where my entire life changed because my mindset about who I was changed. And I started to excel academically. I became, you know, the, they had this like number one club. You're the number one student, in whatever class. I kept winning those awards. And that's when my life changed really for, for the better. Because up until then, I just thought I was just a mediocre person a medi- of mediocre intelligence. Isn't it interesting how you just had that switch? It's just that switch. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it's something yep. we worked on. And I get those switches too. And I work with people who get those switches. And it's just, you know, we're happy that we get that switch. But sometimes it takes a, light, a lifetime for that yes. switch to go on. So you were yeah. lucky that... It did. For some reason, I I feel that you always just very, very much worked hard at everything that you did. So that was something you were listening around. You realized, hmm, I know this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That gave gave you the confidence. It did. It finally gave me confidence. And, you know, and yeah, that switch that we get in life, you know, I've gotten it with other things in my life. Right. So I was that I got that when I was in, in in 10th grade at that point. But, um, you know, there's so many learning experiences that you still have to go through and so many struggles and that switch comes for different things. Totally. It does. So at that point, you're excelling in in high school. You decide to you go to college. 
Mm-hmm. And did you know how to manage the ADHD and the dyslexia and everything like that? Was it still I, a problem? I didn't. I didn't during college. Again, it was just, okay, I have to study harder than everybody else. Okay. You know, um, it wasn't until I had to take the LSAT that I saw how challenging it was for me. Um, standardized tests were always very hard for me. And again, I didn't know why, right? I just thought maybe I'm just not good at it. I'm not, you know, whatever. Um, but I took the LSAT and my score wasn't that high. So, you know, in all honesty, like I'm very lucky that I got into as good of a law school as I did because um, I had the academic background, you know, I had all the other things, but my LSAT scores weren't that high. And um, I got rejected by four law schools. I, I applied to five. Mm-hmm. And the fifth letter that I got in the mail was my approval letter. I mean, it was so bad that the mailman was like invested. <laughs> he would like bring the letters Love to my door. It. Yeah, we'd cry together every time I was rejected. But yeah, um, yeah but I, I, it wasn't until I got into law school where um, I, I had to look up case law. And case law, you know, everything's computerized now, but, you know, back then it's like, I don't know, 20 different digits and numbers. And I could never find the case because I would always reverse everything. So that's when I went and um, realized that, you know, I have a learning disability. That's the Mm -hmm. first time it hit me. But even then um, there wasn't anything to do because they, they weren't providing accommodations like they are now. Right. Right now, there's so many accommodations. And back then when I was in school, you're you're exactly right. Nobody really treated it. It was the person right. who talked too much. It was the person who made too much noise. And it was the right. person who couldn't sit still in their chair and so on. But you yes. persevered. And you know what I want people to understand by you telling this story is that not once did I hear you say that you used any of these as an excuse. Yeah, never. never. And were your parents a part of that in, in your upbringing no excuses, or did you just see that as, as, you know, what they did with their lives versus what they said, you know, not do, as I say, do what you see me do, you know, um, what, how did that affect you? I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think I saw my parents doing it in action, but they were always very adamant about me. And it's really weird because I come from a culture where at the age of 18, they're like, okay, you know what? You're, you're, my daughter should get married, right? Mm, um, right? But my parents were the opposite because my mom didn't get married until she was 28. Back then, she it's was like, like a grandma. 60. Yeah, it was like being 60 back then. Right. Yeah. Um, because she wanted to focus on her career, right? So, my parents were always very adamant about you are, you know, just as good as a boy. You are just as good as a man. You are no less than because you're a woman. Even when I was out playing sports, you know, my dad would be like, you go play with the boys. It doesn't matter. You're wow. just as good. Yeah. You're just that. as good as them. You're never so. And he wouldn't let me make any excuses. You know, I, I use the joke, like, you know, I, I would fall down and I'd be like, dad, you know, I'm hurt. He's like, are you hurt or are you injured? You know, I'm like, yeah. So that's, I learned just very early that you don't make excuses and you just do it. I don't have any, I, to tell you the truth. I don't, I don't have a lot of my listeners know this. I don't have a lot of patience for excuses. Yeah. And it's the same thing when, you know, if somebody's complaining, they fall down, they hurt. I have two daughters yep. and you look at them and especially my oldest one, she might be listening now. She would fall down on the soccer field and get back up, go. Like, can you walk? Can you run? Go, (laughs) go, 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 go. Because excuses, to me, you know, it's just a waste of time. And again, I think so much of that comes from a person's upbringing, whether or not they were coddled and, oh, come over here. I I just didn't have any patience for that. I still don't, you know. Neither do I. In my life, I I just do not, no excuses. So you went on and you became an attorney and then you got into, um, explain how you got into acquisitions and um, Uh, mergers mergers and acquisitions. Yes. So um, I didn't start at mergers and acquisitions. So I I moved to California from Chicago. I was an attorney. I was a district attorney in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I moved to California and I took the bar. I passed. I was going to go work for a bankruptcy firm. I went to a job fair with one of my friends, not even for me. It was, he's like, Hey, you want to come to the job fair with me? I'm like, okay. So I went to a job fair and Wells Fargo happened to be there. And I was speaking to the guy from Wells Fargo about nothing. And he really liked me. And he said, you know, um, we're looking for people to come to our merchant services department. I was like, what's merchant services. He's like credit card processing. I'm like, 
oh, okay. He's like, yeah, you know, we're uh, looking for um, managers, but, you know, I can't give you a management position until you can show me that you can sell. And it seemed like a very intriguing opportunity for me. But, you know, you, I had to start out selling credit cards, essentially. I had to go door to door with a credit card machine. And, you know, in my mind, I was kind of processing this while I was speaking with him. And, you know, most people would be like, oh, going from a lawyer to selling door to door credit cards, no way. But I was long sighted. And I said, you know what? There is a huge opportunity for growth in this organization because I kept asking, okay, well, what's the next step? And what about this? And I realized that I could really go far if I did well. So I was like, you know what? Why not? I can always be a lawyer. I passed the bar, right? Right. Let let me take a risk. Mm. So um, I said yes. And after four months, I was the number one salesperson in the country. And then six months later, I was promoted to a manager. And then I just kind of moved my way up. Yeah. Did you find that 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 life and the people that you were meeting were very different than the people that you were working with as an attorney? Were you thrown into this larger than life kind of lifestyle because of the people you were meeting? Um, Initially, no, because the merchant services group is is a little bit more down to earth. Mm -hmm. But I think as I moved up the ranks and moved up in position, um, yes, I I started to to meet more, I don't know how to upscale people, I guess you could say. High end Um, clients. High end, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that was my, in law school is when I really had my first experience around people that were wealthy. And um, that's when I understood that, oh, you know what? I don't really know etiquette as well as I should. We would go out to to dinners or lunches and everyone would act so properly. And I just looked like, you know, I was raised in a barn kind of. (laughs) So that's when I knew I had to learn etiquette. That's interesting. What did you do? Did you get buy a book? I mean, I can't can't think of the name. What is the name of the etiquette book? Why can't I think? Well, Emily Post has Emily one, Post, but, yeah, right, okay. but, there, but there's a lot. So yeah, back then there was no internet. So no. what I did is I went to the library. I, I checked out all the books I could. I read, I practiced my dining room table. Then um, I was a waitress at a really fancy steakhouse. And that's where I really honed my etiquette skills there um, to where I can actually teach people. You have a very interesting story to share about that, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Will you share that with us? Yeah. So um, this is when I, um, when I was a lawyer, I couldn't make ends meet because I was only making like $30,000 a year. And so I was, wait- I was still working as a wait- waitress in that restaurant. And um, I tell the story because I think it's important for people to realize how important it is to treat everyone with respect. Yes. Um, so when I was a waitress, by night and lawyer by day, I was waiting on this table and these guys were, um, came after the Bulls game and they were drunk, they were wasted. And one of them kept calling me, Hey babe, Hey babe, Hey babe. And I would say, you know, what, sir, my name is Patty. My name is not babe. Um, and he's like, well, why do you find it derogatory? And I said, well, because what if I called you bro? He was African-American. I said, what if I called you bro? That really wouldn't be very nice, would it? And when I said that, he's like, go get your manager. You're racist. I mean, you should have seen the scene this guy caused. And then my manager comes and yells at me. And this was the first and only time I've ever cried at work. So I go into the broom closet because I don't want anyone to see me cry. And I'm like crying and I'm bawling and I'm like talking to the universe. I'm like, this was so not fair. And I don't have power over this person. But if you do, you know, just serve justice and karma on this guy. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So um, I got myself together. I went out, finished my shift. The next morning, I was the first chair in the DUI courtroom. And I was up, up, you know, by the bench, I was looking at all my files. And I turned around and guess who walked in? Mm. Bro, bro. Yeah, bro. Karma, <laughs> the guy from the karma. night before had gotten a DUI mm. and his DUI was now in my hands in my courtroom. So he and that is really when I knew there truly is karma and that yes. there's a greater power um, than us for him to walk into my courtroom after that. And so, yeah, so I didn't. Um, he comes up to me and he's like, please tell me you're the public defender in this courtroom. I go, <laughs> no, sir, I'm the prosecutor. Please have a seat. 
So, yeah. So the public defender found out what he did, would not defend him. He had to go get a lawyer and he was such a jerk. He got much more, a bigger sentence than he would have ever gotten. Yeah. Had he not done that to me. There really is karma. And I think that if we keep our nose to the grindstone, blinders on, focused on what we can do in this world to better serve the people who need us. Sure. That it will just come to us. And we have yep. to know that this, this life that we're on is a journey yes. and there are going to be lots of valleys and lots of hills and lots of excitement and great things. But we have to just sort of, you know, people talk about balance. We've been talking about balance for a very long time, yeah. but finding that balance and knowing that if we are going forward with our, with our heart in the right place, our mind in the right place, focusing on not what we can get from other people, but what we can give to them. Absolutely. Then, then karma, the universe is going to watch over us. We don't do it because we want the universe to watch over us, but we do it because that's what's in our heart. And that truly takes a lot of work. Um, It does. (laughs) It takes work. I think some of us are just born like that and we are good human beings. Mm -hmm. And then at other times we do have to practice that because life hits us by the side of the head a lot and pushes us around. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, and it's not about, you know, going around and, and proclaiming that you're a good human being. It's about just doing the right thing, knowing why you're here on this earth. And I think that's what happened to you. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think he, you know, I think he realized it too in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, I really do the look on his face, you know, after he was sentenced to something bigger than he would have ever gotten. I think that that hit him hard. And that was a that was a very expensive lesson for him. Yeah, I'm sure that was. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to get right into TikTok and what Patty is teaching all those young folks on TikTok. We'll be right back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening. 
listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fearlessly Authentic. I am with the Duchess of Decorum, Patty Asai, and we are talking about coming here, working hard, you know, having that hustle, whether not using excuses. You know, Patty was talking about being dyslexic, having ADHD, yet going to law school, becoming extremely successful in her career in mergers and acquisitions. And for some reason, Patty decided that about a year ago, she was going to create videos and put them on TikTok. So Patty, why don't you explain to all of us why you did this? Well, as I indicated, you know, I come from an underserved background. And um, because of that, I've always wanted to give back to the community. And I did a lot of work with big, big brothers and big sisters. I was a big sister. I headed up their workplace program at two or three companies where I worked. So I was very involved. And um, right before the pandemic, I was scheduled to go give two or three talks at some of their events. And when the pandemic happened, everything shut down. And so those events were canceled. And I just had this burning desire in me to get this information out because I think the information that I provide is really useful for young people, you know, coming, coming out of college, especially underserved people that don't get this information from their parents. So I was like, what, you know, what should I do? And 2.30 in the morning, I remember I woke up and it hit me. I'm like, I'm going to make educational videos. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do. I'm going to make these videos, you know, teaching kids all the things that I wish I knew when I, when I was younger. And, you know, I started on YouTube and it didn't go so well. Like my videos were like five to seven minutes. And I share the story because I think it's important for people to understand that you may not do well the first two times or whatever you try. So on YouTube, I was getting 25 views on a good day. Um, but then what you do anytime that you're not as successful as you need to be is you analyze what is happening, right? And why isn't this working? So I looked at the analytics. I looked at all the, everything that YouTube provides. And I realized that after about a minute, minute and 25 seconds, people were just bored. They, were, they, they were, were done. Yeah, they were done. So then I thought, oh, wait. TikTok is only a minute long. Maybe I can do these videos on TikTok and just make them one minute short videos. So, yeah. My daughter, the opposite. My daughter tells me I should do more YouTube videos because I like to talk a lot. But right, you want snippets and you want it to get to young people. You know that that age demographic that you're trying to hit is not going to be watching a seven minute video. (laughs) No way. No way. Yes. And I'm proof of that. Yes, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I started doing research on TikTok. I, um, my boyfriend's niece, she had her own YouTube channel, so she could do the editing. So you have to know what you're good at. I'm not good at editing. So I got her to do my editing. And then, yeah, I locked myself up in a room for four days. I did a hundred TikTok videos and then I posted um, three videos a day for a month. So, you know, what's crazy about this is that, you know, I don't know at, if you grow out of ADHD, they'd say you do. I mean, I have a daughter, she's 32 and she has ADHD. She was diagnosed in seventh grade and here she mm-hmm. is. She still has it. So I don't know if you ever outgrow it or you just, or, and, or learn to manage it. Right. So here you are like, how did you do this? I can't do it. I, I, I but when you told me this story, you really inspired me. I think I told you that right. I still haven't done it but maybe I'll do it. My birthday is the 27th of December. Maybe instead of going away, I'll just sit in this room (laughs) and make the videos. But how did you do this? How? Well, you know, yeah, I still have ADHD, right? Um, But one thing is that my drive always surpasses my ADHD. I love that. Yeah, it always does. So yeah, was I going crazy? Yes. But I'm like, you know what, the drive that I had to get these videos done um, was greater than than any obstacle in my way. And so I, um, yeah, so I, I just did it because I knew that that's what you have to do in order to get traction on TikTok. Yeah. So did you have um, topics that you wanted to discuss that, that were, that you weren't able to um, 
discussed because of the pandemic. So did you have like, you know, I've talked to people about this. You get a whiteboard and you say, boom, 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 boom. Did you have it all set up and you had all the information changing your outfits and so on? Did you think, oh my goodness, (laughs) how am I doing this? Yeah. How am I doing this? Yeah, it was definitely a learning curve. Like if you look at the videos that I've made, you know, a year ago versus the ones I'm making now, the Today is a lot better, right? But um, I thought they were good at the beginning. Come on, I went, I scrolled all the way back to the beginning to look. I thought, you know, you stayed on point. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to teach people things that they don't know to navigate life better. That that's really my mission statement, and all the things that I wish I knew, which is all all the things that I screwed up on, right? Mm. Almost everything that I tell people not to do are things that I did that right. uh, they were my my mistakes, and I wish there was somebody there to tell me. So it was things around workplace decorum, you know, like how do you ask for a raise? How do you negotiate your salary? What do you do if your boss tells you to do something that you don't know how to do? How do you interview for a job? What should you wear to work? So that was like one aspect of it. The mm-hmm. other aspect was table etiquette. And that's just because, again, I experienced the pain of not knowing it, right? Right, so like, right. Then I started teaching table etiquette. And then I, I, I do a lot of like finance um, informational type videos. Like, okay, how many accounts do you need? What's mm-hmm. the difference between a 401k and a Roth IRA? Why should you invest in those things? So really life skills um, that people need as they become adults that typically they're not taught by their parents or really anywhere else for that matter. Right. Because we're not taught these things in school. We're supposed to come out of school, whether it's high school, college, grad school, medical school, law school, and we're supposed to, you know, voila, we're supposed to know this. So as you said, nobody taught you these things. No. And you wanted to be the person that's going to teach them. And I think that's so valuable and so wonderful. And thank you for doing that because I think there's a need for that and nobody was out there doing it. And you didn't do it just in, in a very boring way. How did you create this personality? Um, By the way, everybody, she has eight, I checked this morning, 859,000 followers, Patty. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm blown away. You know, my listeners know that I'm I'm going to be 61. Where I'm not going to ask your age, but I'm Patty's 50. Not, you're 50. So yeah. I was going to say she's not 30. She's not 20. No. So, um, you know, for us to get on there, and you, I mean, you've just had this account for a year. So did you have any idea that it would go viral like this? I had absolutely no idea. I was thinking. You know what? If I get a hundred thousand followers, I I'm going to be happy. But I think that's why it's actually successful, because I didn't go into it for the follows. I didn't go into it for the likes. I didn't go into it to be famous or the money. Right? I did it because this was my passion, and I wanted to do it right. And I had a mission that was greater than what how it was serving me. My mission was to serve others, like you were talking about earlier on. So um, I think that's what really made my TikTok channel successful. And to this day, I try not to get caught up in how many followers did I get today? Right. How many likes did, oh, did the, you know, I have videos that have gotten almost 5 million views and I have videos that have gotten, you know, 3000 views and the 3000 views videos are just as important as the 5 million views because there are people that comment and say, I didn't know this. Thank right. you for sharing this great advice. So if I've, you know, taught one person something, that's all that matters. And that's, that's how I go about, the, you know, creating all my TikTok videos. And it, it was because you were authentic, you know, right. to, exactly. to use this, you know, exactly. fearlessly authentic. You Absolutely. were authentic. You said, you know, and I think that's the best way, you know, that's the way I approach things. Yes. I look at it like, did I get any views? Did I get any likes? Yes. yes. And you're like, it's hard not to, right? <laughs> and then you think to yourself, well, this was like the best video I made with such a great message. And I, it was a dud. So well, you've yes. got to keep rocking on. It's that perseverance that you've always yeah. had, right? That hardworking, the perseverance, the blinders on going straight, keep your message on point. Yes. Knowing that you are providing a service to people and wish that you had had this service also. So are your, um, you know, we can see the analytics on TikTok. So are your f- followers in that demographic that you thought you were talking to or has that 
Is that different from what you expected? Yes, they're exactly in the demographics. So, you know, about, I, I would say 22, 23, right out of college, about 35. Yeah. And um, about, I think 82% of my followers are women. Um, the rest are men, but I have followers all over the world, which I I never, ever assumed. Like I have a lot of followers in the Middle East and in Indonesia, right. tons of followers in Indonesia. Yeah. in Australia and England. So yeah, the demographics are are really you know a variety, but the age range is between what I had thought. I love that. Yeah. So you're very funny. I mean, you you wear Thank the you. glasses, <laughs> and so where did you pick up this personality? Where I mean, I know it's your personality, yeah. but it's it's your personality on steroids, right, right? right? So what made you? Did you when you started filming? Did you just say, okay, I'm going to take on this personality, or explain that a little bit? No, I. It's very entertaining. And that's, that's what, that's what's so great about it is you're educating and entertaining, empowering and inspiring. Yeah. Thank you. I think it comes from being a prosecutor because when you do trials, you have this persona that you have to just be able to express yourself in an animated way. Right. So I, I, I think that's where I learned it is that, you know, I'm pretty animated to begin with, Mm -hmm. but you have to make it interesting for the jury or else they're yes. going to fall asleep. So, right. you know, really, so my, you know, my followers and my viewers, they're my jury and I have to make it interesting. And, and, you know, you were talking about being fearlessly authentic and this is an important point that I want to make is that, you know, I started doing my videos the way that it would be, you know, a little animated. Then I got feedback, people, some comments saying, gosh, you know, why are you yelling at us? Why are you so aggressive? And, I didn't follow my instincts. I was like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Maybe I should just dial it back a little. And the second that I dialed it back, everything went to crap. Like That's people, right, because you weren't being authentic exactly, anymore. Right? 100%. That's why I bring this up is because I dialed it back. I wasn't myself. And I just wasn't getting the views. I wasn't getting... And I was like, you know what? What am I doing? Right. Like, this is me. And to this day, like, I got a comment the other day saying, why are you yelling at us? I, I take offense to it. Can, can, you, can you chill out? And I responded back. I said, absolutely not. This is who I am. And I said, if you try to be everything to everyone, you're going to be, and you're going to end up being nothing to nobody. So right. I love you that. That's be you. so, so true. So, yeah. so true. You have to be yourself because, and you know, I, I always say to myself, there's the door. If you don't like this, like yes. what I'm teaching, how I'm teaching it, whatever it is, right. there are plenty of people you can go to out there. And as <laughs> exactly. far as in TikTok land, there are tons yeah. of other TikTokers that maybe yeah. not be teaching this, but nobody's forcing you to stay here. And yeah, because there are a lot scrolling. of people, right. Keep there are a lot scrolling. of people, you know, that just <laughs> yeah. want to leave comments. I get sure. the same thing. I, I completely sure. understand. So what are your, um, what do you feel are the most valuable um, lessons you're putting out there that you're getting the the most feedback from? What are people enjoying the most from, like taking from? Is it finance? Is it the workplace etiquette? How do I ask for a raise? Or is it more, tell me, you know, which fork to use, for example? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I I think it's all of them. Um, There's different things for all of them where people, because you have somebody that, for example, um, I, I got this comment from a woman who said, my, my daughter married a rich man and I was so intimidated going to the wedding, but I watched her videos and I felt like I fit in. Wow. So I get a lot of videos like that. Then workplace etiquette. I, I get a lot of, I was so scared to ask for a raise, but I listened to what you had said. I followed what you said and my, my boss gave me a raise right away. Or I'll get, you know, my finances were out the door. I didn't know what I was doing. I was in debt and I put the things that you've said in practice, and I can already notice a difference in my finances. So, you know, in all, in all three aspects, I get really, really great comments. And, you know, this is why I do it is for people to say that I have impacted their life for the better. That's the only reason I do it. And when I get that, that's better than any sponsorship, any money. They're like, what money or how are you monetizing this? I'm like, the money that I get back is that type of feedback, that type of love. And it just, I still get like chills, you know, when I think about when people say stuff like that to me that I've actually impacted someone's life. Yes. I mean, that's what it's all about. So I know we said we were going to talk about one thing, but you just, I, I, I'm going to change what, and I know you're okay with it. So 
okay, how do you ask for a raise? Could you give us like a simple, easy way or, you know, sure. how do you, sure, how do you ask somebody for a raise? So a, a lot of times, most people will go in and ask for a raise and say, well, so-and-so is making this much. Why aren't I making as much? Or, well, can I get a raise? Well, you have to tell your boss why you deserve a raise. You don't just get a raise just to get a raise, right? So what you do is you think of the accomplishments that you have achieved through the time that you've been there. So you say something like, in the past year, the projects that I've worked on have increased the company's profitability by 10%. Since I have been of value to this organization, my current salary is at the 50th percentile or whatever it is based on my experience. And I'd like to get closer to the 75th percentile. Is there potential for me to get an increase in my pay to get closer to the 75th percentile based on the performance that I've had in the past year? That's perfect. That's how you do it. Because you're telling them why you deserve a raise. You're giving them empirical evidence as to what you've done that has actually increased you know, the productivity or whatever in the company. And you know, they, you, you, this is where you are. You're in the 50th percentile, but you want to be close to the 75th percentile. Can they give it to you? It's about being prepared. Yes. Taking the emotion out of it. Yes. Not comparing yourself to other people. Right. It's all numbers. But you, numbers. one of the most important thing is be prepared to hear no. Mm. If you hear no, then your next question is, okay, what do I need to do in order to get a pay increase? They will tell you what you need to do. You do those things and you go back in six months and you say, you told me to do X, Y, and Z. I've done X, Y, and Z. Now, is there an opportunity for me to get a pay increase? So simple. Yeah. So simple. Um, when, was, when you asked for a raise your very first time, did, oh, you, say it, did you tell it like, did you re- go to your boss like that? or Absolutely did you not. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> no. Right. I, I was remember. like, can I get more money? <laughs> right, right. I remember being so nervous asking my boss for a raise. But my ex-husband, yeah. who is an attorney and a CPA, had yeah. prepped me and said, it's similar to that. So I was prepped right. by somebody with a right. financial background. Right. So that helped tremendously. Right. right. So, but it's so true. It's You've got to go in there with the numbers and take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And I think that's, thank you. That's great advice. I want to share that. Um, and then for, let's just say, um, let's go to the etiquette. You're mm-hmm. out for dinner. What What is like the biggest question you get regarding um, social etiquette? It doesn't have to be flatware and things like that. Sure. So um, I think one of the biggest questions I, I get is, um, when do you start eating when you're sitting at a dinner table? Mm-hmm. Most people don't, don't even know the answer to that. And um, the answer to that is you don't start eating until everyone at the table has been served and the host or hostess starts to eat. Right. That is when you start eating. And most people don't know that. They just sit down and they just start eating or their food is served to them. They start eating. And um, that's a huge etiquette mistake that a lot of people make. I've seen that. Yeah. And I, I right. remember because I was raised, my mom always raised me that you you do not eat until the sure. hostess ha- is sitting down. And when yeah. she or he, if it's host or hostess, picks up their forks and be- begins to eat, that's right. when you get to eat. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Right. And what about financial advice? You mentioned something about the difference yeah. between a 401 and so on. But yeah. what is the biggest question you get over and over again? Well, um, the biggest question I get, and this is the biggest video that I've had that went viral is how should you distribute your paycheck, right? So you get a paycheck, how do you distribute it? And so, you know, first I say you um, have to invest in your 401k and you should invest uh, at least the amount that your employer is matching. So if they're matching 5%, you put 5% of your paycheck. That's for your retirement. Mm-hmm. Whatever is left after that, of it should go into one account, which is a checking account that is for your needs. And these are the things that you need to survive, your musts, okay, your living expenses. Then 30% should go to you another checking account. It's your wants, your play money, okay? You could do whatever you want with that money. Next, you need a high yield savings account for your emergency fund in case something goes wrong and you need about three to 6%. I'm sorry, three to six months worth of living expenses in that emergency fund. 10% goes into that fund. And another 10% goes to another savings account. 
And that is for your bigger purchases, like for a house or a car or whatnot. Once you have three to six months worth of living expenses in your emergency fund, then that 10% goes into the savings account. And the savings accounts do not have any debit cards attached to them. So you're not tempted to spend that money. And you should set it up with your employer if they can divide up your paycheck to divide it up based on those percentages. So you don't even look at it. So the money automatically goes into those accounts and you know you don't have to deal with it manually. I wish somebody explained that to me because all of my $10,000 that I made in 1983 when I graduated from college went to Bloomingdale's. Right. So, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I met my ex-husband and he was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, sure. I don't know. I'm spending my $10,000. <laughs> I'm, I'm rich. Right, I'm $10,000. I'm rich. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. it was. It's crazy. Those are such great pieces of advice. They're huge, Patty. Yeah. And you do it in such a fun way. So tell everybody what your TikTok handle is. Duchess of Decorum. And how did you come up with that name? We have four minutes left, but tell me quickly how you yeah, came up p- with that Yeah, people name. were started calling me, hey, Duchess, hey, Queen, you know, like kind of like that. And I, I yeah. taught a lot. I teach decorum wherever you're, you know, financial decorum, social decorum, you know, table etiquette, it's all decorum based. Yes. So then we, we thought, you know what, Duchess of Decorum is kind of a cool name. So that's how we came up with it. It's so beautiful. So it's at, so your handle is Duchess of Decorum mm-hmm. on TikTok. That's where you're, that's where you are most of the time. Yes. I also have Instagram that I do Instagram lives. Um, so look out for that. Follow me on Instagram because I will do Instagram lives on uh, financial advice, things like that. So I, I do a lot of Instagram lives. So you're doing that to do a kind of a, a Q and A? Yes, exactly. Okay. Where okay, they can ask great. me questions. Yes. But you still prefer TikTok. That's where you're having the most fun right now. I think I think that's where I have the most fun. But Instagram's picking up because I get to share just some of my personal life and people mm-hmm. get to see who I really am. I love that. Yeah. So the last question I wanted to ask you before we end the show, and it's been such a pleasure. So, so much great information, like incredible. Even those three little tidbits <laughs> that you just gave us Thank were you. were huge tidbits, you know? Like Thank I said, you. I wish somebody had told me that so I wasn't, you know, using all my money, <laughs> spending it all at yes. Bloomingdale's. Um, so what does it mean to you? We've talked about being authentic, being fearless. What does it mean to you? to live a fearlessly authentic life? To me, fear will never lead you to the right place. Fear is your biggest obstacle that you will ever face in your life. And to live fearlessly authentic is, I say, to look at fear right in the face and tell it you hit like a bitch. Mm. And be like, you know what? I'm giving you the middle finger. Love it. You're not going to get me. I am going to be who I am, and I'm not going to act based upon fear. That's how you live fearlessly, authentically. I feel the passion when you're saying that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because I feel it. Yeah. I know. I can tell. Well, thank you, Patty, so much. The Duchess of Decorum, Patty Asai, thank you so, so much for being on the show. Happy holidays. Thank you, Jody. This was great. I had an amazing time. Thank you me for having too. me. Me too. Me yeah. too. And everybody... Um, Just take this advice. Have a wonderful holiday. I'll be back next week and go live a fearlessly authentic life. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.